Welcome, it's indisputable, good to be with you. I'm your host Rashad Richard, we have a lot on the agenda today. My contributor breaking down news of the day, none other than David Schuster, TYT contributor. And we have Kurt Slichter, attorney at law, retired colonel, colonel and senior columnist, townhall.com. We're gonna talk about January 6th and also constitutional carry in the United States. Top story of the day, very sad, sad news. Sidney Poitier, I grew up watching his movies, watching the movies that were timeless. Meaning many of the movies came before my time, but they were still popular in my household. Let's put up a picture of this trailblazing iconic actor, mentor and diplomat. Yes, diplomat, he passed away at the age of 94. The Hollywood star was known for his films, including guess who's coming to dinner in the heat of the night and lilies of the field. For which he became the first black and Bahamian to win a best actor Oscar. This guy has significant layers, okay? Let me talk about one layer that sometimes in stories like this, when we highlight individuals who were trailblazers, especially those in acting. What Sidney Poitier did for people like me, is he gave me a visual. It showed me a positive image of a black male in cinema. During a time when those images of positive black characters were very difficult to see. The news was announced by the Bohemian Minister of Foreign Affairs, Fred Mitchell, prompting tributes from the world of entertainment. Mr. Portier worked as a dishwasher until he landed a place at the American Negro Theater School of Drama. Mr. Portier scored his first lead film in 1955, Blackboard Jungle. And his first experience of awards recognition came with The Defiant Ones in 1958, which saw him nominated for Best Actor alongside co-star Tony Curtis. Six years later, six years later, he historically won the Best Actor Oscar for his performance in Lilies of the Field. Denzel Washington praised Portier when he became the second black man to win Best Actor for a 2001 film called Training Day. Saying, and I quote, I'll always be chasing you, Sydney. I'll always be following in your footsteps. There's nothing I would rather do, sir. Let me take you back to some of the iconic reality of Sidney Poitier. Poitier was the first black man to win the Academy Award for Best Actor. In 2009, he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. NBC's Joe Fryer takes a look back at Poitier's legacy. They call me Mr. Tibbs. Sidney Poitier played characters who jumped off the screen. Opposite Rod Steiger in the heat of the night. Now where did you earn it? I'm a police officer. Amen. And in the lilies of the field is handyman Homer Smith, 
Lots of luck, mother. I ain't building no chapel. Yeah, you. The role that won him the first ever lead actor Oscar for an African-American. It is a long journey to this moment. Professional, courteous, excellent. He represents what we call in the culture black excellence to the fullest. In 1967, Sidney Poitier starred in three films that addressed the issue of race relations. He was bold enough to take these jobs in acting. To Sir with Love, guess who's coming to dinner and in the heat of the night. In the 1980s, he directed numerous films. So not only was he a star actor, but also director. His most success came with Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder. It was a comedy called Stir Crazy. The actor also served as a diplomat, yes, an actual appointed diplomat in 1997. He was named ambassador of the Bahamas to Japan. He remained in that position until 2007. He lived a full life, 94 years of age, continues his legacy continues to impact the acting world, not only in America, but beyond. He will be missed, rest in power to Sidney Poitier. To my dear friend, David, I know you're well aware of the great legacy of this man. Yeah, and like you, I mean, we also watched a lot of his uh, films when I was growing up. And I'm so glad that we saw that clip of uh, the Lilies of the Field, which yeah. he won his first uh, uh, Academy Award for. Because, I mean, it wasn't just that he was helping nuns. These were German nuns that as a handyman, mm -hmm. he was helping them. And it was, it was a remarkable story because it was two cultures, which at the time in 1958 was essentially looked down upon. I mean, this was only you know 13 years after the end of World War II. So there was an anti sort of German bias in the United States. And of course, we know there was a racism, deep racism in the 1950s and 60s against African Americans. So for these two sort of groups of characters to come together for him to win this Academy Award for that was amazing. It's also, I'm struck, um, I'm struck Dr. Ritchie by, I mean, so many people have talked about what an amazing actor he was. I mean, never mind all the barriers that he broke. You think about Tony Curtis, he, he was with Tony Curtis, I think 1954, 55, they got nine Academy Awards for their film, The Defiant Ones, in which their two convicts were chained together and escaped. So you have a black man and a white man, at a time when people didn't like seeing them together, never mind seeing them on the screen together. I mean, they were both terrific actors. And I think it just goes to show that, you know, as we celebrate all of the barriers that he broke, I think it's also worth remembering, as you've pointed out, he was an artist. He was one of the great artists of our time. He was one of the great artists of the 1950s, 60s, 70s, even as a director. And for that reason, and we mourn him on so many multiple levels. Very well said, very well said. January 6th again, still in the news, obviously. Uh, there's a sobbing January 6th insurrectionist who is now crying because according to his lawyer, his brain was not fully developed when he decided to engage in an act of domestic terrorism. I kid you not. This is one of the youngest insurrectionists, was a teenager at the time, 18 or 19. But posted and bragged about this well after that attack at the US Capitol. Let's put up some of these pictures, okay? His lawyer requested a lighter sentence due to his brain not being fully developed when it took place. This is Leonard Ridge, who was 19 at the time when he posted a video of himself at the US Capitol, okay? 
the sentence handed down on Tuesday, January 4th, after his lawyer requested that a judge go light on his sentencing after citing medical studies that suggest his client's brain may not have fully matured at the time of the incident. The attorney, Laguzzi, said the now 20 year old Ridge told Judge James Boasberg that her client was only 19 years old and he allegedly broke down the doors of the offices of Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi and later bragged that he in fact made history. In the sentencing memo to the court last month, it was noted that some studies have found that a person's brain is not fully developed until they're in their mid 20s. She also added that these studies have called into question what a person can and cannot be held accountable for depending on their age. The attorney also argued that unlike many of the other individuals who participated in the riots, Ridge had to journey through the COVID-19 pandemic as a high school senior. Oh my gosh, I mean the tragedy of what this privileged white male had to experience to get to the Capitol and attack it. Furthermore, the attorney claimed his interest in politics should be encouraged, especially when young people only dream of being influencers. I mean, judge, you have to look at what all my client has accomplished here. He's interested in politics. While there's no evidence to support, Ridge actually carried out any action or if he actually did break into the lawmakers offices. He did, however, write in a message, yeah, man, so epic. I have a video of me fighting riot police in the Capitol building. US Attorney Matthew Graves also acknowledged in his filing that Ridge boasted about him being part of the insurrection. Judge ordered a one year probated sentence after Ridge's release from prison and 100 hours of community service to be completed during that time. This is probably one of the worst legal defenses I've ever heard. I actually believe the attorney wanted him to go to jail. David, you gotta help me unpack this brother because literally the the defense is he had a messed up brain because he's young. He had to fight COVID in high school. And hey judge, I mean, what are we really talking about here? He's interested in politics, is that not a good thing judge? <laughs> I mean, what's everybody else's excuse, right? So right. <laughs> it sounds like the judge took into account that look, this guy was in jail for a period of time after the insurrection. So I guess he's getting credit for time served and that's why yeah. he's getting probation and community service. And so, okay, he was probably gonna get that anyway. I'm with you, I think if I were his attorney, I would have said, look, he made some mistakes. He was, you know, he was stupid to participate in violence, to trespass. He was stupider to boast about it. He's sorry. Um, I don't really see much remorse being expressed either by the attorney. It's everything is sort of an excuse by the defense attorney. Um, and I wonder why the judge then didn't say, you know what, you've already served, you know, six months in prison. I'm going to give you another six because you're violent. Um, it's it strikes me as a little bit surprising that the guy got off with probation, given just how ridiculous, ridiculous uh, that defense was. It was insane, it really was. All right, one of the saddest stories you will see this week for sure. A California man has a run in with police. The police 
They handcuff him and they break his back. They break his back on the spot. And after they break his back, he no longer can walk, he's paralyzed. They still continue to be physically violent against the man whose back they just broke. Here's the video. Oh God. Yeah, have a bad day. Okay. What are you doing, dude? Sit down on the ground and I'll bring a I didn't do nothing. Oh, no. no! Quick fuck with my arm. I didn't do nothing. You can man. start going with the program. Ouch! That hurts. Quit it. That's it's hurt, dude. It's called pain compliance. When yeah, hurts, you dude. stop resisting. Ow, ow! I'm not resisting! Why are you doing this? Because you're just not going with the program. <clears throat> I am! Quit hurting me, you're hurting me right now. Not you're hurting, hurting me, dude. You're hurting me. That hurts. That hurts. That hurts, man. Jake, Jake, Mr. Gross, listen to me. Quit with me. I'm not with you. Yeah, you are. You I'm telling did. you the way this is going to go. Would you like to shut your mouth and listen? You are not in control of this situation. You are under arrest for hit and run and DUI. You're about to get placed into a patrol car. I was going to walk you over there, but you decided you didn't want to go with the program. I so was, now you're sitting here like a three-year-old. Oh, 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 that hurts. Okay? I was so walking. listen, listen. Oh, oh, and it will continue to hurt if you don't shut up and listen. In a moment, I'm gonna stand you up. You can cooperate with that, or we can do more of what we're doing. Would you like to do more of what we're doing? Or would you like to stand up, sir? I have more video. They broke his back. Now, this man, his name is Gregory Gross. Gregory Gross is 65 years of age. According to the report, he was drinking and was being cited for a DUI. That's not the issue of this story. The issue is he should have seen a judge rather than a hospital bed. Here's what happened next. No, not at all. I asked which way you're going. You slammed me up against the car. Here, no, grab him. I gotta put gloves on. Kill Democrat. And we've done it again. Keep doing this. <coughs> I can't breathe. Are we gonna keep doing I this? I can't breathe. You're talking, you're I breathing. You're talking, you can breathe. Okay, uh, uh. let's stand up. Uh. Stand up. Put on your big boy pants. You wanna act like a man. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, okay, uh, wait. That'd be a yeah. Stand up. Stand up. Come on, you're banned. Be a man. I can't feel my legs. You can feel your legs. Alright, there's a wheelchair right behind you. You get to sit. Stand up. I can't feel my legs, dude. I'm sorry. I can't feel my legs. They're gone. 
Dear God, I have a couple of days. Come on. Don't forget your pasta box. The police snapped this man in half using what they call pain compliance techniques. Now, I don't give a damn what the political affiliation is of Mr. Gregory Gross. I don't care. What I care is that he's a person, he's a human being, and he should have seen a judge properly arrested if he was in fact drunk and driving. But he should not have been snapped in half. Even after they paralyzed this man, they were completely insensitive to his medical condition. Let's put up a screenshot during the time that Mr. Gross said, I cannot feel my legs. Mr. Gross ultimately required two surgeries to fuse his spine. In a separate lawsuit, Gross alleges the combination of police and medical misconduct left him unable to walk or care for himself. He now requires round the clock nursing care for the rest of his entire life. He sued Rideout Memorial Hospital in Marysville, along with the University of California Davis Medical Center and individual medical workers last August. The new lawsuit claims the city police officer Joshua Jackson broke Gross's neck and it names Jackson, fellow officers Scott Hansen and Nathan Livingston in the lawsuit. It says that those cops assisted with this use of force and that the other cops failed to intervene. According to an expert, the use of pain compliance was 100% unnecessary. Timothy T. Williams Jr., a police tactics expert who spent nearly 30 years with the Los Angeles PD, said that based on the video, the officer seemed to overreact. Pain compliance, such as using a wrist lock, is a common technique with someone who is resisting. But in this case, Gross was already in handcuffs and being escorted to a patrol car. Gross is still awaiting trial for what he was arrested for. He's an army veteran, was accused of drunk driving and causing a low speed collision April 2020, okay? He can't move his legs. He's unable to move his fingers. His life has been completely turned upside down. Now I know some people will say he got what he deserved. Let me let me put it to you this way. For those of you who are allies to what I do, I want you to think about this. If we feel this man got what he deserved because he had a bad day, he made a mistake. If you feel he got what he deserved because he may be, I don't know, a conservative. He may have said something negative about Democrats. If you feel he got what he deserved because of that, you are no better than the other side. David, what are your thoughts? Well, <clears throat> like I agree with you 100%. And I, and I try to imagine, let's just suppose, suppose he had been drunk and got into an accident with me, or with my kids in the car. And I was so angry that I literally wanted to strangle him myself. That might be natural. It might be the human reaction to be mm-hmm. so infuriated that you literally want to kill somebody. But our system of justice does not operate that way. I'm not entitled as a victim. The police are not entitled to torture somebody, which is what they did. As you pointed out, this guy, the punishment 
gets goes in front of a judge and the judge yeah. gets to decide what happens to him. I don't get to send him to a hospital. The police don't get to send him to a hospital. I don't get to send him to a jail. The police don't get to send him to a jail. The judge decides what happens to him. And for these cops to have such a chip on their shoulder that just because the guy is on the ground and he's putting up some sort of resistance, maybe in terms of getting into the squad car, then pick him up and carry him over there. But don't break his back in the process. Yeah, well said. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. Welcome back. All right, we got a lot of show left, so let's get to it. Before we get to these amazing comments, let me remind everybody, it's the big reveal today. G14 classified stuff happening today. Big announcement, all right? Make sure you tune into the Young Turks Power Panel to find out what we have in store for you in 2022. You will not be disappointed. Also, don't forget, make sure you download and watch, excuse me, listen to the podcast, okay? Listen to the podcast, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie. Click follow, rate us five stars. Some lame gave me one, okay? I'm still looking for that fella. <laughs> All right, Galaxy Brain, Ben Carollo. Ben Carollo's brain is out of control, all right? You don't wanna miss it. Make sure you join today on Galaxy Brain as she talks through important stories of the day. Tune in to twitch.tv forward slash TYT after Indisputable, 4 p.m. Eastern time, 1 p.m. Pacific. Let me read some of the comments, good stuff coming in. TYT member Jesse Anti-Racist says, rest in power, Mr. Poitier, exactly. PDX Boomer. I think an argument can be made that none of those participating in the one in the January 6th riot had fully developed brains. <laughs> okay, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a in Sunday? You feel free, back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Don't take you. What, what did you say? Six five. No, you cussed me. What did you say? I did not cuss you, sir. Uh -huh, you cussed me. What did I say? I don't know. You've been telling all the F was today. Yeah. Sir, tell me what Okay, you can get out. This is where us, this is where you stop. I cannot take sir, you anymore. Okay. I don't have a phone with me. I cannot call another Uber driver. But you, uh, this is your stop and uh, I cannot tolerate more behavior than this, so I'm tired. So mom, you can get out, please. You are kidding me. Yeah. You are not, can you take me home, please? No, you need to get out. Please take me home. No, you've been cussing me the whole day, so you need to get out. Please, And this sir, is your address. This is your address. Okay, now this is when the switch happens. Karenicity on full blast. Here it is. You, 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 get me the f out of here. You. What do you say? This what happened? This woman is drunk. She threw a bottle of beer in my car. All right, you saw it. It was interesting. David, thoughts? 
Well, I mean, she threw on the F-bomb a lot if you listen carefully to that video. Um, she was obviously extremely rude, extremely obnoxious to that poor Uber driver. And look, good for the driver for standing up for himself. And I, and I encourage more people, if you think that um, you know, somebody's misbehaving or somebody's obnoxious, you know, you have every right in your own vehicle, if it's a private vehicle, to you know, have your camera going. Uh, and record whether it's interactions with police, interactions with customers to make sure that they're behaving. And in this case, good for him to say, you know what, I'm not gonna take this kind of crap anymore. You're out of here, go find another way to get to wherever you're going. Good for him for standing up for himself and showing some self-respect. And I hope, you know, this woman, I hope the internet does its thing and identifies this crazy woman and make sure that she has a very difficult time using public transportation or using a private vehicle ever again to get to wherever she's going because uh, she's bad news and clearly, um, clearly not a nice person. Not at all. And you know, I really do appreciate highlighting this kind of behavior because one, people that provide service to us, they deserve respect. They deserve our humanity to connect with their humanity. They deserve our courtesies and big ups, yes, to the driver who decided, okay, you wanna treat me like this, here we go, right? And then the other side of the behavioral observation. One of the things we do on Indisputable is we look at the behavior of these Karens and we learn something new. When you watch the behavior of this particular Karen, she switched it up. I mean, in the beginning, when she realized that she was being recorded, she switched it up and became nice and gentle and was being very courteous. So what does that mean? That means it's not a mental health condition. That means they are able to be decent. They have the capacity for decency, which makes them 100% accountable to their actions. And as soon as her privilege did not work, her manipulation had a barrier, Karenicity goes on full blast. So that's what we've learned today, all right? Okay, there's a dad who has been charged with a hate crime because he threatened a black classmate of his daughter. It's a viral video. This took place in Monroe, Washington. He's being charged with a hate crime. Here's an excerpt of the incident. Yep, that's her dad. Her dad has been charged with a hate crime. Let's put up a picture of not dad of the year. The father's name is William Cunningham. There's a background to this. The charge stems from an incident at the high school 
These are children at a high school. The charge stemmed from an incident at the high school on November 10th, 2021, where a white female student racially taunted a black student during an altercation. That's according to the Monroe Police Department. The victim and the teenage daughter had a confrontation in the school parking lot following an incident earlier in the day where the girl allegedly shoved one of the victim's friends in a school hallway. Video of the confrontation shows the daughter's boyfriend and the victim shoving each other according to court documents. After the initial scuffle, the daughter went up to the victim and allegedly showed her father the victim's face on a video call, continued the report. Cell phone video captures the father making death threats at the victim saying, if I see you, I'll kill you and calling the victim racial slurs. That's in the court documents. Um, This is the lesson you don't teach your children unless you are violent and racist. If you're violent and racist, this is the exact lesson you teach your children. And I have to assume your child was well aware of your violence and racist tendencies. That's the reason why she's in an altercation at school. And the reason why you were the first person she called because she uses you like a pit bulldog and she wants you to go and get them. Talking about black people, black students at her school. So damn shame that a daughter feels as if her dad should become her protector when it comes to her own racism. Wow, David, thoughts? I think she learned her racism at home, clearly. I mean, she picked this up from somewhere. She didn't pick it up at school, she picked it up from home and probably knew, as you said, that her father was just as racist as she is. And he proved that by the horrible things that he said. I mean, look, again, I understand the impulse as a a parent that if you feel like your daughter is being unjustly pushed around, of course, you're gonna be infuriated and mad. Part of your job as a parent is also to realize that yes, sometimes our kids do manipulate us and sometimes our kids are not altogether honest with us. And that's why most parents that I respect, my own parents, they would look at things rather calmly. You don't act in the emotions of the moment and you try to sort out, okay, exactly what happened here. Let's step back, let's everybody deescalate and calm down and figure out what went wrong here. You don't immediately go to 100 miles per hour in three seconds because if you do, you are clearly somebody who is prone to violence. And in this case also, he was clearly racist and that's a terrible combination. Yep, and he's been charged with a crime. You play stupid games, you get stupid prizes. All right, we got more on the other side, indisputable. I have an update, we have been watching, monitoring what will happen in the sentencing of those who killed Ahmad Aubrey. You remember the young man who was chased, temporarily restrained, basically kidnapped, and then killed, murdered down in Brunswick, Georgia. So here's the sentencing. These three men were convicted of Ahmaud Arbery's murder. William Bryan, William Roddy Bryan, the man who did the recording, has been sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole. Gregory McMichael, has been sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Travis McMichael has been sentenced to life in prison 
without parole. That's your update. All right. There's a Texas cop. This was horrible. Texas cops beat up a homeless woman, okay? Beat up a homeless woman, punched her in the face, covered up their camera, but somebody else caught it. Here's some of the video. This is a homeless woman, homeless woman with mental health issues being beat up by two Austin, Texas police officers. Okay, that's what you saw. They actually tried to cover their body camera with their hands while they jumped like gangsters, like a gang, right? on this woman, but somebody else recorded the incident. Let me give you some background to this extreme criminal violence that you just saw. One officer held this woman down and covered his body worn camera while the other officer brutally need this woman in her side. That's according to a lawsuit the woman has since filed against the city and the two arresting officers. The other officer punched her eight times in approximately 11 seconds. The lawsuit adds citing the bystander video taken on October 30th and originally published by KXAN TV and Austin NBC affiliate. Why were the police there? Now this is important to note because as I've said before and I continue to say today, when you call the cops, you're calling a gun or maybe you're just calling a really violent individual. But the cops were called there, here's why. The police were called on the woman after security guard noticed her sleeping outside of a strip mall. The 26 year old mentally ill woman had refused to leave when requested several times and grew verbally aggressive according to an arrest affidavit. A responding officer warned her 
that she would be arrested if the security guard wanted to place a criminal trespass notice and she did not vacate the property. At which point she cursed at the security guard and cop while refusing further commands. According to the arrest affidavit, the officer then called for backup due to, and I quote, aggressive verbal behavior. That's according to the affidavit. Now remember, this is a woman who is mentally ill, okay? She's mentally ill. And this is why we fight not only for defunding of the police, which is a reprioritizing of the police budget, but we also fight and advocate to have better trained individuals to respond to 911 emergencies. You know, 911 does not stand for the police. 911 is an emergency line. Sometimes people are going through a mental health emergency and they don't need a gun. They need a social worker. They need a mental health professional. They don't need to be beaten up by two thugs who decided to take advantage of a vulnerable, homeless individual. But that's what these thugs decided to do. The lawsuit, however, argues that the woman didn't pose a threat to anyone and was just scared of the officers. And by beating her, they allegedly violated her constitutional rights. The lawsuit also argues Austin cops are trained to treat unhoused people like vermin. The city of Austin's policy in regards to mentally ill unhoused people, those policies are unconstitutional, full stop. Attorney Rebecca Weber said, you cannot beat a person because they are lying down. In 2018, a former police cadet also alleged to the local Austin American statesman that police academy instructors had told cadets they'd be punched in the face if they wanted to be police officers to help people. Another former cadet told the paper that instructors referred to homeless people as cockroaches. All right, we're trying to get information verification on the officers involved, those thugs you saw doing that to um, the 26 year old woman. Uh, But we have not been able to confirm all of those details. But I do have the police chief, let's put his picture up, okay? When they play hide the pickle, we go ahead and go directly to their boss. That's the police chief, his name is Joseph Chacon. Uh, Joseph is the guy in charge, Buck stops with him, supposedly. We will continue to follow this story, give you updates as they develop. But this, ladies and gentlemen, this is why we advocate for a better policing mechanism in the United States of America. It's not really about reform, it's actually about replacement, replacing the system as we know it. Those cops should have never been called. Those cops should have never engaged in that manner. And this woman should have never been violated to that degree. This warranted a mental health professional wraparound services. This is a socioeconomic issue, not a criminal issue. David, what are your thoughts? I'm so glad that you're looking at it from sort of the macro 30,000 foot view because yes, these cops are probably sadistic. Yes, they should have called mental health. Yes, <clears throat> these were this was the wrong police who clearly had a chip on their shoulder. But in, but in my view, there's something so institutionally wrong with law enforcement across the United States time and time again in liberal communities and conservative communities. It's as if the cops are constantly taught you must take control, take control no matter what the cost. And that means asserting control, pain compliance as we were talking about. Well, that's not the way to deescalate. Thankfully, there are some police officers who would approach somebody who's having mental health issues as if they would approach somebody who's about to commit suicide or jump off a bridge. They try to coax them, they try to be kind and say, hey, it's okay. It's the same thing here. This woman is having a mental health crisis. You approach this woman gingerly, you try to embrace her, you try to make her feel like she's a human 
being. You don't treat her like she's a cockroach as they're trained at the Austin Police Academy. That's ridiculous. And I hope there's full scale reform. I hope the Austin Police Department is torn down over this and everything is started up from scratch. We got some good news for this Friday, okay? There's a South Carolina restaurant owner and former auto mechanic. He made headlines when he decided to do something quite remarkable. He gave away more than 30 used cars that he personally repaired for people who needed them. This is in a rural community. Let's put up a picture of this amazing hero. These are the people we should celebrate. People like him. Since then, the mechanic has continued his efforts and even did another giveaway for the holiday season. His name is Elliot Middleton, 38 years of age, co-owner of Middleton and Maker Village Barbecue. Spends his spare time fixing used cars and giving them to people who need it in his rural town of South Carolina. Let me tell you what's so amazing about Mr. Middleton. He's not wealthy. Let me say that again. He's not filthy rich. He didn't pay someone to fix these cars, he did it himself. And this is a reminder, not only to me, but hopefully it's a reminder to everybody, we can all do something. He saw a need in his local community, he decided to provide a remedy to that need rather than simply talk, he did. There are some families that he helped that really needed this because they had no transportation whatsoever. Let's put up a picture of some of these families he helped. Amazing, beautiful. In June news, Middleton's good works reached viewers across the nation. And the response was dozens of previously owned cars being donated to the restaurant owner. So he could provide rides to those without reliable transportation. So now you see the domino effect. He did this great deed and guess what happened? Other people decided to help him. He did this remarkable thing and other people jumped on the bandwagon and did remarkable things with them. But CBS News came back to check on Middleton this month. The network found that by now he has given away more than 60 automobiles of all types, including 12 in December for the 12 days of Christmas. Many of the recipients were folks who were still looking for employment, single parents, elderly people in need of transportation to their doctor's appointments and everyday errands. The co-owner of Middleton and Maker Village Barbecue opened up earlier this summer about what drove him to start repairing and giving away cars, telling the Washington Post. There's a lack of transportation in the rural areas and I knew I could use my previous experience in mechanics to help. It all started nearly Two years ago when Middleton noticed several families without transportation, they were trekking more than four miles a day by foot to get a hot meal at a food drive he hosted. So in January 2020, in a Facebook post, he requested to the community to donate junk cars in exchange for slabs of barbecued ribs. So I just had an idea, instead of junking a car with potential, If you don't really need the money, consider donating it to Middleton's Village Barbecue, he wrote. We would like to help folks in need of transportation in rural areas that don't have bus transit or taxi cabs or even Uber. Boom, mind blown. He needs to run for office and get something done 
on a larger scale. That's called solutions to the problem. David, what are your thoughts on this? Middleton's Village Barbecue, I love it. I think it's yes. great. I think what you know, the idea that you practice random acts of kindness in somebody's life today, all of us can do that. You don't have to be an auto mechanic. You don't have to have an expertise in anything. You just smile at somebody and say hello or say, hey, are you doing okay if somebody looks a little bit down? Or you just, you're just nice to people when you yourself may not be feeling so nice. You, you give of yourself. And I guarantee that just makes you feel better. And uh, congratulations to, to Mr. Middleton and to this community. I mean, what a remarkable story. Remarkable story, remarkable man, and he represents what America can be, what America can be, all right? Ladies and gentlemen, I got a question for you. What in the red state hell? You can take a gun, shoot somebody in the face, it's not hard. Sometimes it might even be fun if they're a godless commie. Now, what they're trying to do is sneak the COVID vaccine in your salads. I never had, I hate math, somebody say amen. So if you're losing faith in Donald Trump, you're really losing faith in the God that put him in office. And that's a dangerous thing. I'm losing faith in your shirt. <laughs> this actually started this whole, let me take you back to the beginning. Here's the beginning of this, here it is. Now, many people have told me that um, you know, they're losing faith in Donald Trump because of his stand on the vaccine. Let me correct you. You're not losing faith in Donald Trump because it was not Donald Trump that put Donald Trump in that office. Four years before Donald Trump was ever known about running for office, Yahweh, the God of heaven, spoke through the mouth of a prophet and said that a man named Donald would be put into the White House. And that that man, Donald, would be the servant of Yahweh to restore America. And guess what else that man, that God said? That this man would serve two terms. So if you're losing faith in Donald Trump, you're really losing faith in the God that put him in office. And that's a dangerous thing. That shirt and hair combination, my friend, that is probably way more dangerous. Um, so let me dissect some of this. <laughs> uh, he says that the God of heaven is the one who put Trump in office. Well, let me follow your logic here, sir. Because if the God of heaven did this, then that means the God of heaven took him out of office as well. Just following your logic. and. Let me be clear, you said, Mr. Preacher, that God told you that it would be a man named Donald, okay? All right, maybe it was Donald Duck. You know what, that actually fits. Donald Duck, Donald Trump, same person. Okay, this is what we're dealing with, ladies and gentlemen. We're dealing with individuals who will equate everything to a religious sentiment in order to boast their proclamation of this charlatan known as Donald J. Trump. Now remember, there's an implosion happening inside of the conservative ranks. And it has to do with the one element that Trump cannot figure out how to properly message around. He created it, but it's the monster that has come back to him. He wants to take credit for vaccines. He wants to take credit for speeding up the process. 
But the people that he radicalized, he told them different messaging and they decided to connect with one and not the other. Well, there are people according to the movement of conservatives losing faith in Donald Trump because he's pro-vaccination. Remember, Trump gets booed at rallies when he tells people he took the shot or when he encourages folks to take the booster or he says we should take credit for the vaccines. He is in a dilemma, but this is now the new spin. The new spin is if you are against Trump, you're against God. You know why they say that? Because Trump is in fact their God. That's why they say it. Remember, Trump oversees the largest cult known in history in America. He does. And the powers that be are well aware on both sides of this. David, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm just amazed at just what a powerful God Yahweh really is because he's so busy picking winners and losers in football games and he has time to select <laughs> political leaders too. It's that. remarkable, but now I'm a little worried. If Yahweh says that Donald Trump is coming back for a second term, then this sounds like we're facing, I don't know, one of the plagues that faced the Israelites in Egypt. What have we done wrong? We need to amend, We need to atone for our sins. Yeah, I, I gotta say this. I don't know about God talking to this preacher, but I'm sure the devil told him to put that shirt on. <laughs> All right, David, I appreciate you, brother. How can people follow you? Check out your great work. Rebel HQ on Facebook and YouTube through the Young Turks. So we post videos there. And occasionally I'm honored to be able to be on a show with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, a distinguished lecturer at the University of Michigan. To all my friends in Southeast Michigan, you don't want to miss what January 17th, right? Yes. January 17th, Ann Arbor, Michigan. If it actually happens, if they allow students and faculty and everybody to be on class in classrooms, Dr. Ritchie will be there. And I guarantee you don't want to miss it. Thank you, my friend, always a pleasure <laughs> having you on the show. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable.